This is your Polycast for Monday, April 27th, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy with NPR News. On today's edition, will the stay-at-home order be extended? And tribal governments look for help from the Trump administration. Some big decisions await Governor Tim Walz this week. He'll announce whether to continue or end his stay-at-home order. The same goes for restrictions on bars, restaurants, and other entertainment venues. Kathy Werzer talked to our reporter Brian Baxt about it this morning. So where do the governor's existing stay-at-home order and the venue restrictions stand right now? Well, both will blink off first thing Monday, barring extensions. That means that travel that isn't considered essential is still discouraged, and workplaces that aren't explicitly exempt should stay closed. Of course, it also means that people can't get a drink or a bite to eat in a restaurant. They have to get it to go. Some other states in the region, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin among them, have their stay-at-home restrictions in place well into May or for most of the month. Do we have any indication as to what the governor will, when he might decide? He promised to let people know by the middle of the week what he'll do. Walls acknowledges that the uncertainty can be as problematic as the restrictions themselves. Okay, so when you look at the tea leaves, what can we glean from the comments he's made at this point? It's funny you should ask. I've tried to become an expert in reading the comments that Governor Walls has made on these key decision points before he actually announces his moves. Remember earlier this month when everyone was trying to pin down Walls on what the rest of the school year would look like? Well, here he was on April 17th. Listen for how he hints at what might happen without locking in an answer. Just to be very candid, I, I think we have not made a decision. As I've said earlier, I think, it's, I think it's unlikely that we will come back. Then, less than a week later, the verdict was in. As he had suggested, school buildings would stay closed. He similarly telegraphed the reopening of golf courses and other outdoor activities before it finally happened. Now he's got a graphic he's using to tell Minnesotans where he thinks we're at. It's a set of virtual dials he points to that move up or down based on when his experts believe it's safe for workplaces and social activities to fire back up. Trying to figure out when do we move the dial is going to be predicated on can we answer those questions about it. Walls has been gradually allowing more exemptions to his stay-at-home mandate. Thousands of workplaces without much direct customer interaction can reopen starting today. He's more hesitant to do the same for Eden establishments, concert halls, and other places where people linger. Those, he says, are less predictable environments where the virus can too easily spread. Bars and restaurants, for example, are quite a ways on that social setting dial. Um, Single-family gatherings, potential houses of worship, those are further down on the dial. The next to come online? I'd bet on small retail. Those smaller businesses, single shops, um, those are on the dial right up from where we're at. So I think it should be an expectation. We're thinking of that and talking about that with them. And Kathy... Maybe a not-so-good news for fans of the Minnesota State Fair. Walls began signaling last week that inviting people back to a crowded fairgrounds in just a few months isn't the best move. Pains me, pains me, pains me. The State Fair falls at the right of the dial. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that dial is going to dictate a whole lot over the coming weeks and months. It sure is. And, and Walls made this pretty clear. The dial can move in both directions. So if places open too quickly and COVID-19 cases start to outpace the ability to handle things, he's ready to dial it back. Hmm. Okay, let me ask you a little bit here about uh, just work other workplaces. Uh, is there any trouble brewing with the state employee contracts? I know they await ratification by the legislature. Where is that? 
There, there could be trouble. There, these are the two-year agreements negotiated last summer between the Walls Administration and public sector unions. They've been in provisionally in place, but the legislature still has to sign off, and the PACs are likely to get a positive vote soon in the Democratic-led House. But Republicans in the Senate majority are, are starting to raise questions about uh, whether Minnesota can afford these contracts, and they've asked for possible renegotiations. Administration officials say that won't happen. They call the contracts fair and note that they cover the health lab technicians, unemployment assistance personnel, and others now at the forefront of Minnesota's coronavirus response. But if the contracts aren't ratified, they'd be voided and employees would have the ability to go on strike. Any other bills you keep an eye on this week at the Capitol? There sure are. A House committee is reviewing a bill to provide rate increases for personal care attendance during the COVID-19 response phase. Another panel is looking at putting $30 million into broadband grants to even out technological gaps around the state. Senators are also working on that high-speed internet issue, as well as grants for telemedicine equipment. They'll continue to push ahead on a tax bill that could relax some payment deadlines. And there will be lots of talk about how to conduct elections if the pandemic stretches well into summer and fall. That's Brian Baxt talking to Kathy Werzer. The state's emergency ban on elective medical procedures left some health care workers on furloughs or out of a job. And a move by Governor Walls over the weekend to allow out-of-state medical workers to treat COVID-19 patients here has upset a key health care union. Mike Moen has more. This weekend, Governor Tim Walls signed an executive order allowing some out-of-state health care professionals to work in the state without having to obtain a Minnesota license. Walls noted staffing shortages at long-term care facilities, as well as the potential for local hospitals and clinics to become overwhelmed by a surge in COVID-19 cases, like what's happening in Nobles County. Under the order, out-of-state medical workers who come to help in Minnesota still need to be licensed in their home state and will have to be working with an established provider here. But Mary Turner, president of the Minnesota Nurses Association, says there are many laid-off and furloughed nurses already based here, ready to answer the call. It's extremely disappointing when health system after health system is furloughing and laying off Minnesota nurses who want to work. Turner says a number of union members who are furloughed have been denied an opportunity to pick up work elsewhere, say in a long-term care facility, because of rules restrictions. Some furloughed nurses remain on call and have to be ready to return to work within 24 hours. And if they aren't back or they lose their furlough status, then they lose their, lose their benefits. And so they're making it impossible for our nurses to help out in this situation. Turner also says there should have been some coordination in recent weeks to train non-ICU nurses to work in that setting as hospital beds fill up. She fears those roles during the crisis also will go to out-of-state medical staff. NPR News reached out to several Minnesota health care systems. They declined comment or did not respond. The governor's staff also did not respond to requests for additional comment, but in his order, Walls did call on providers to fully utilize Minnesota health care workers and give them flexibility to help where it's needed. Mike Moen, NPR News. The federal government has distributed billions of dollars in coronavirus aid to individuals and businesses in the past couple of weeks. But tribal governments are still waiting for aid that's been promised by Congress as part of the CARES Act. It's aid tribal leaders say they desperately need to keep their governments functioning and to deal with the impact of the pandemic. 
The Trump administration missed a congressionally mandated deadline yesterday to distribute the money. Dan Gunderson has the story. When Minnesota went into stay-at-home mode a month ago, sovereign tribal nations in the state were not bound by the governor's order, but they all chose the same path, which meant in part shutting down tribal businesses and casinos, in most cases their primary source of revenue. Prairie Island Indian Community President Shelley Buck says when Treasure Island Resort and Casino closed, 90% of employees were furloughed. Prairie Island is the largest employer in Goodhue County. That was devastating. I can't even say how devastating that was. It's going to make me cry. That was one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make. Buck says the tribe is still paying health insurance for furloughed workers using aid from the state. The Minnesota legislature approved $1 million in emergency aid for each of the 11 tribal governments in Minnesota. Grand Portage Tribal Chair Beth Drost says the state aid has covered some essential expenses on the band's reservation in the far northeastern corner of Minnesota. The state did come through with funding very quickly, and we were very happy that um, that, that came through so fast. And um, we've been able to defer some of our expenses through that. Um, but we really do need the federal funding. The federal funding Drost is talking about is $8 billion designated for the 574 tribal nations across the country. But the funding was delayed by confusion over a formula for distributing the money. For tribes, it's yet another slight in a long history of neglect from the federal government. When you talk to tribal leaders, there's anger, frustration, and resignation. It's just always a battle. And it's sad that it's always a battle. Shelley Buck says tribal nations were nearly left out when the massive federal coronavirus aid package was written. Our people in D.C., our Minnesota delegation, all those people had to fight so hard just to get the $8 billion on the federal level of funding for tribes. We weren't even considered. It feels to me just a lack of responsiveness, a lack of making this a priority. Minnesota U.S. Senator Tina Smith is a member of the Senate Indian Affairs Committee. She's been calling the Treasury Secretary trying to expedite the tribal funding. It is not right that a United States senator, not to mention the leaders of these uh, tribal governments in Minnesota, should have to be uh, banging on the door of the United States Treasury asking for what Congress has already decided uh, should be allocated. The frustration tribal leaders feel with the federal government is in stark contrast to what they're saying about state government. Fond du Lac Tribal Chairman Kevin Dupe says the state quickly sent emergency aid and has consistently responded to issues raised by tribal governments. To know that we're at the table with the governor and the governor's staff and all the commissions in the state of Minnesota makes me feel proud of the state of Minnesota, that we're at a position that we've never, ever been before, and we're all trying to work together to, to, to fight this this nasty virus. Unlike state and local governments, tribal nations have very limited authority to collect taxes as a way to fund government operations. So revenue from casinos and related businesses is critical. That means there's some pressure to reopen those businesses. Tribal leaders are talking about a possible unified plan for a soft reopening. But right now, there's no timeline for that to happen. And Dupi says he's not ready to open the doors. He says there's still not enough testing available on reservations to manage COVID-19, and he worries that as the state starts to ease its stay-at-home restrictions, tribal nations will be hit by the virus they've so far mostly avoided. People are going to flock from the affected areas to their cabins, their lakeside places, and to the rural areas. So we have to understand that it is going to reach us. When is it going to reach us? This may be the point that it's going to reach us when when these doors are open.
and this freedom of movement is, is going to be taking place because the shockwave has not hit us yet, but it will. And tribal leaders wonder, will they have the resources to respond when that happens? Dan Gunderson, NPR News, Moorhead. And that's your Polycast for this Monday, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy with NPR News. Thank you.